Wow, I'm so I'm so Let's see the color of your coin. Ah oh, man, it's a lot. I'm gonna have to sleep on it. But it felt so good to spend so much time with those characters after all the fighting was done. I don't know why it's taken ten years. For us to see the characters get this kind of love, but it's exactly what I feel like I've wanted all along. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Deeg Podcast. I'm Deeg, and I'm here today to bring you Guild Wars 2 End of Dragons. It finally happened. Yes. Okay, so I had every intention in my heart to bring to you today a fully-fledged Guild Wars 2 End of Dragons review, recommendation, all the classics. Um, I even took a whole week off of my 9 to 5 in order to play End of Dragons and get ready to tell you what I think about it and get excited about it or not. Or not. But then, as they say, life happened. I learned I would be moving out of my apartment at the end of the month, and then my whole life uh, became about addressing that problem. Well, as you can see, I found one. I'm here. Things are finally starting to, set, set, to settle down, and I it's time for me to actually tell you what I think about Guild Wars 2 End of Dragons. Of course, there's only one problem. Uh, after playing this game, you know, what was it, a month and a half ago now? <laughs> It, uh, it doesn't sit so fresh inside of me anymore. I don't remember it that well. I can't access it in the way that I'd like to, to give you a really good and compelling impression. I thought about ways to fix this problem. Maybe I'll play through the story again a second time to refresh the memory. Uh, maybe I'll talk to some people about it. But then when I looked at this problem, I ended up looking back over my gameplay VODs. Because yes, I streamed my entire playthrough. You can find it on my YouTube. And I realized that what I was looking for was actually right there. I don't know what got into me, what compelled me, but for whatever reason, I realized that I had actually taken somewhere between 5, 10, or 15 minutes to give you my commentary and impressions after every single play session over the five days, Monday through Friday, that I played through and completed the campaign of Guild Wars 2 End of Dragons. And I'm going to present that to you here today. It's not a review. I'm calling it a commentary. I think that's appropriate. And um, I'm going to give you a couple of qualifying remarks before we get into it. First off, big picture, End of Dragons was amazing. Great. I recommend it. If you're a Guild Wars 2 fan, you owe it to yourself to experience what I think is the best version of Guild Wars 2. If Heart of Thorns was a small expansion trying to be big and Path of Fire was a big expansion trying to be small, I really feel End of Dragons occupies a really effective middle path niche between its two elder siblings. Um, it, of course, returns us to Cantha, a place that we've all been excited to go back to for years and years since Guild Wars 1 factions. And... Um, it has undeniably the best of so much of what this game has to offer. Um, so that out of the way. Now, what do I look for from Guild Wars 2? I have been through big pumper stages of this game, where I want it to be very, very good. Lots of group instance content. I have the raid legendary armor on my main. Um, 
but that period is past for me. So I'm not going to look so closely at things like strikes, things like balance, things like the CMs, which admittedly were not out when I played. They're actually coming out uh, right now as this is being published. So that's exciting. Admittedly, I've become a casual Guild Wars 2 player who understands the hardcore mindset, but it's not where I sit day to day anymore. At least I think I understand it. And so my impressions are going to be from that perspective. So get that out of the way. Um, I played the whole experience more or less with my MMO gaming buddy, Will. You'll hear me talk about him. I call him Will or Maxentius, Max being his, uh, the alias he uses for gaming. And Will is, uh, he played Guild Wars 2 a little bit back at release, but he's pretty new to most of the game. And it was really fun for me seeing the game through his eyes as well as through my own. And you'll hear through a few points in this commentary that I appeal to him, ask him what he thinks, or he'll chirp in. So that's who that is, if you hear that someone riding along in the commentary. Um, additionally, because this was all live, I interact with my chat a little bit. So you hear some uh, of my producers, uh, like, uh, like Kai and Henry and, um, and Wist, all jump in to say what they think, and I'll respond to them. This was all done live. But looking back on it, I think it actually captures exactly what I feel like I need to say about End of Dragons, which is very simply that it is the first time I have seen Guild Wars 2 do the thing that I most now seem to crave from it, which is to produce a compelling world full of character-driven story moments. With that said, let's go to day one, Monday at the start of the week. I'll catch you on the other side. Alright, well, let's recap. Day one, End of Dragons. We unlocked fishing, we unlocked skiffs, and the Jade Bot. Jade Bot is ridiculously involved. I gotta tell you, yeah. the, com the complexity of it is something of a turn off. But I'm sure it'll be the kind of thing that, like, you, you kind of figure it out and it's just like... As you go, yeah. You know... One potential strength about the Jade bot that I appreciate, yeah, day one, part two, that's right, Henry, is that it seems like it could be like a singular axis to expand across multiple Living World episodes. Like, one of the things about Living World seasons is Arena's done a very good job of always challenging themselves to make some kind of new open world mechanic. But one of the problems they had, and this was especially endemic in season three, is that they would make these mechanics, but only make them work in the in the one new map they're making. Why are they making something that actually gave you some some element of progression for your entire character? I remember before Path of Fire came out, I actually made a made a post on Reddit saying it really, really, really sucks that all these Little Girl Season Three masteries aren't going to mean shit in expansion. It kind of puts the lie to the idea of progression. They started fixing that. They put it, started putting stuff in. And I wonder if Jade Bot is a sort of um, next level effort to improve the horizontal integration of the kinds of horizontal power that we get over time. And I especially like that it's wrapped up in some kind of a skin, which by the way, I still can't figure out how to show on my character. I want to see <laughs> the Jade Bot. I want it to float around me while I'm doing shit. That would be cool. But 
They just can't get them to show up. Maybe he only they only show up when they're doing stuff. Maybe I have to get the service chip installed first. But I think that Saitung Province is a win for me. I'm enchanted by it. I'm enchanted by both these zones I've seen so far. I'm Like I mentioned, I'm so impressed by the size and also the density of both these areas. And I wonder I wonder how much that impressive feat contributes to this sense of, of um, you know, a vacancy in these maps. Maybe we'll really only see big groupings of people at like the, the valuable events over time. Like maybe the really, not, really valuable ones. Yeah, like maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I gotta think about that. Because there, there are a lot of things in this game that are fun to do. Like, go exploring. It's, you know, you and maybe your buddy. But as soon as you start throwing a whole group of people at them, the, the, the events just fall over. And it gets hard to experience them at a reasonable pace. Because mm -hmm. the, the group just kind of carries you along. Since we've gotten to Cantha, I felt really good about all the character stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of the character stuff before Cantha was a little... I don't know. It was a little... little, a little. The ratio of character stuff to plot was a little too high. Like, things weren't moving ahead enough for the amount of emotional exposition that was attempting to happen. But then again, maybe that's my fault because I'm a completionist and I click on every single dialogue option. Maybe most people who wouldn't bother with that shit felt fine i don't know curious will do you do you do the the side dialogue options before you go on or you just do the main the main stuff no i'll click the side ones okay but anyway since we got here um and the new characters are interesting the empress the security minister june of course um yao uh rama's a hoot and a half yeah. I like all the like all the we talked about the how the bureaucracy does this really cool job of putting us through processes that make human connection the most important thing that happens, which puts the storytelling about those human connections, and I like that. It's a real lowering of the stakes, which I really which I really appreciate. And one of the things I like about expansions is they get to do that. Um, although I don't think Heart of Thorns or Path of Fire did a very good job of lowering the stakes at any point. Maybe Path of Fire at some points, but man, Heart of Thorns, it was a gallop. And even Path of Fire was very much like your cop between a dragon and a god, and go kill him. Go get him, tiger. Conflict here is a little more subtle. It's like, oh, we're here, and things are happening. And even though we're making our way through it, it's not like we have some great problem we're trying to solve. And I kind of like that. It's more like we have an opportunity to explore. And it's a much more open and expansive feeling. It reminds me a lot more of um, the way the uh, personal story felt when you first played through it. At least up until the Zytown threat kind of coalesced in the last 20, 30 levels. I like that. I'm liking the Blade Sworn a lot, and to be honest with you, from my experience in the beta test, I was not expecting to enjoy the Blade Sworn that much. I think part of it is they tightened up the amount of time Dragon Trigger takes, so it's a lot less sitting around and waiting. 
Um, all the world interactions are good. Everything that's already good about Guild Wars is good here so far. But the scale of it and the density is really impressing me. And the aesthetic of Saitung Province was fucking new. It might even be too dense. There might be too much stuff. There might not be enough just rolling countryside without shit happening. I don't know. Um, and what little I've seen of Kai Nang has been pretty great so far, too. I think that's one of the main takeaways for open world stuff. These maps, they're no, they don't... On paper, they don't look as big as the Path of Fire maps, but I think in actuality, in terms of play space, they're much larger. Because those Path of Fire maps are designed around traversal, and there's a lot of empty space between stuff to do. A lot less empty space than you see here. I don't know, this feels kind of like, in terms of open world design, so far, it feels like a victory lap for me. And we'll see if that sense continues as we explore the third and fourth map and go down the story. Also, the reduction of stakes is making the storytelling a lot more palatable. And the moments where we do get to connect with the character are a lot more bearable because we aren't like... We aren't like submitting ourselves to soap, soap opera level character stuff while, you know, a dragon is breathing fire. I'd say as far as day one goes, this has met every expectation that I've had and exceeded a few others. And one of the only head-scratchingers is exactly what you called it. That I am not seeing as many people as I expected, and I don't know exactly what that means. Yeah. I don't know if it's an artifact of the map design. I don't know if it has to do with with shard uh, allocation and, and, and allotment. Um, or if it is reflective of, of perhaps a not very successful launch in terms of numbers. I Monday is a weird day to launch an MMO, I think. Yeah, it totally is. There's a lot of competition. Sorry, is something else you were going to say? No, no, no. It's, without saying too much, it's interesting to hear you say all these thoughts tomorrow when you play. I'm going to be intrigued to know if they change at all. That's why I'm I'm doing this little end of the stream reflection. I want to I want to go back and see what I thought, see how my opinion changes over the days. Because I'm gonna be playing every day this week, I'm putting yeah. in a lot of time. And, uh... But yeah, I, in terms of like for next session, what I feel really excited about is I'm still learning how to play Bladesworn, so I still feel very excited about those combat interactions. Um, I. I'm very excited to learn about the next couple maps. I feel like the story at this point can go kind of anywhere. Um, having the massive prompt that, that Oreen is kind of in a debilitated state, which is a little bit nice because she's been a little bit of a, a trump card for us for a long time. And the question of why isn't she taking action has always been one we didn't have a good answer to. I feel like. And I like how they got, got right out of the way. The introduction of 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 the, the the deep sea dragon like they didn't fuck around with us 
Um, I think they fucked around with us for way too long when it comes to that. And getting it out of the way early, I really appreciated that as a long as a long term fan. Yeah, like he, like this is the dragon. This is what her motivation is. This is what her name is. It's like, okay, bam, bam, bam. He's her stated motivation. Uh, I liked all of that. It makes me excited. You know what I think, actually, as I am asking myself, is are these are the bit, are, if these are the last good days of Guild Wars Two, because I still don't know if they're ever going to make another expansion. To be honest. It kind of feels like there's no way, but you never know. I suppose. I look at this level of effort and I ask myself, can they do this again? <laughs> so. I know for a fact that with season four, which was published at the end of 2018 and early 2019, that the studio members did not know whether, did not know how Guild Wars 2 would continue after that. And I talked to multiple members of that team who put in a, an egregious amount of effort and passion into the end of that season, the Krakatoric arc. By the way, well, if you go back and play anything, man, I, I would suggest the Path of Fire expansion in Season 4. Um, especially the last three episodes of Season 4 as incredible set pieces for this Is game. It? Okay. Yeah, they're so good. Um, also, uh, uh, Episode 5, Season 4, Thunderhead Peak. That one, the revisit, the, you know, revisiting Thunderhead Peak does sound interesting. Yeah, I figured that would, that would perk you up. But I know for a oh fact God, that the, so the studio pushed really hard because they didn't know what was going to happen. And then we went into that weird Ice Brood Saga era where it's like, okay, the game's not dead, but we're also not making expansions. And no one really knows what any of it means. And it seems like the studio didn't even know what it meant. And then, okay, get the green light for an expansion. Let's go. Are we seeing something like that now? Where we're seeing this incredible passion project get this incredible release from this team that doesn't have any idea what the future of the game looks like. We don't know as a community, but do, do the developers know? Does the studio know? These are the questions I think about. All good ones. Okay. William, YouTube friends, we'll be back tomorrow. GG friends. Have a great night. Okay. So, middle of day two. Maybe end of day two. I hope it's the middle. End of dragons. Spent almost the whole session. Three plus hours. Just bopping around Kainang City. And I'm really, really enjoying this space right now. Um, we did some of the events completely failed to restore to do to do the meta event because the the map seems to be too empty hoping that's a problem that gets solved by some back-end settings or anything i can throw I spent a lot of time over at old kainang there's a cool little uh, event chain down there where you unite two the, the souls of two lost lovers and much of lore surrounding it that was very satisfying old kainang area area really feels a lot like guild wars one to me it's really cool but in general, like, I mentioned this before, when I was watching the live streams, you know, of, um, 
of Kainang. I didn't, it didn't really come through to me what they were trying to do. I didn't really have a good sense of place from it. But now that I'm here, I get it. And it's working for me. And almost everywhere you go, there's something to pay attention to. It's really cool. Look at that. Air conditioners. I'm sure that the newness of it will wear, but I'm having a great time just soaking camper right now. Didn't get a lot of story done, but uh, we'll continue to do more next time. I guess that's it for thoughts. I'll be around later. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day or night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, let's recap day three of End of Dragons. So as you can see, I've arrived here at Arborstone after the, the many a bombshell story path that took us through the Jade facility where we met Su Wan, the mother of all elder dragons and apparently the singular force responsible for all life on Tyria. Um, and things go poorly, perhaps the singular life force responsible for the death of all life on Tyria. A lot of things going on. Anka, her, her, um, her role has escalated. It continues to escalate. She becomes more and more important, more and more of the main enemy. And uh, I'm not going to summarize the whole plot. I'm just going to kind of give a gestalt and impression of my experience and say I've been, I'm still having an incredible time. I'm still so impressed by the, the density and the quality of the story beats, the writing, the performances, the, the, the presentation of the areas, the, 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 the Yong facility, whatever it was called, where we met Su Wong, the Elder Dragon of Water, uh, was just amazing. <laughs> the, the tour we did where we were on the moving... Um, like elevator thing in Bajiggy, and we got the the lecture from June. We learned a lot about June and her motivations, and I was just saying that before I started the recap that I've been so impressed with all the character stuff in Guild Wars Two: End of Dragons, and it's 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 a subtle thing if you're clicking through dialogue, but if you're paying attention to it, it makes a massive difference. And it's I can summarize it succinctly by saying. You know it's done well when, number one, you understand the motivations of all the characters you're spending time with. And number two, those characters take actions that are based on those motivations. Now, the real extra credit is when those motivations change over time based on the outcomes of those actions. That's the real extra credit. We aren't that far enough along in the story, but we've seen a few things, like Detective Rama's posture towards us has changed. As he's gotten to know us, a man who is a detective and he's kind of, you know, hard bitten and uh, skeptical. But he decided to trust us. In fact, he would have fought for us if necessary at one point. Um, all the character stuff is is a not just a step, but a leap above what we have seen from the character writing in Guild Wars 2 in prior work um yeah 
the set pieces they're still great and we've, we've got some really great set pieces in guild wars 2 before but the thing that's really jumping out at me is that it's the character right that is the thing right now that is defining in the dragons for me yes the set pieces are great yeah the combat's good the elite spec is fun of course kantha's incredible like it looks fantastic and it feels so cool and distinct in this setting all those things are great uh the music the sounds um i mentioned the voice performances but it's the character writing that's really jumping out at me right now on day three as a thing that is um where Guild Wars 2 is doing something I've never seen it do as well before. It's the best the best this game has produced yet. Arborstone and uh, the map that's within Echo Veld Wilds is the third of, third of four maps. I don't really know how far I am through this story. I've done this for probably like, what, 20 hours now? Um, I'm a little too in it to pull my view all the way back out, which I definitely will when I get through it. Honestly, I I probably just spent a good four, five, maybe six hours just exploring Kynang in the last couple of days. And moving on from it felt good. Um, but there's still so much more that's left for me to do there. I haven't done the meta event. I haven't done all the events. I haven't explored all the points of interest, vistas, hero points. I haven't completed any of the maps. But I have been going slow and taking my time. And it's been a joy to do so. Um, Jade Bots... I'm becoming more and more impressed with the things that they can do. And even though their complexity still seems unreasonable to me, um, I'm excited about um, engaging with them further and learning more. I'm also excited about how Jade Bots can figure not into just the expansion story, but also to the living world of season, living world season six that follows End of Dragons, which hasn't been announced, but which we can all guess is coming. If we can continue with Jade Bots and this this uh, Arborstone kind of hub through all that content, that is such a long time for us to spend with such robust features and, and areas. And it makes me really want to sink in and, you know, grab the popcorn and a comfy blanket and just wrap myself up in this experience because I feel like it makes me feel like there's so... There's so much Guild Wars 2 I can look forward to enjoying. Not just the rest of the expansion content, but also the living world that it'll be that will spring forth from it. So I'm just having such a great time right now. And I'm having such a great time that I'm gonna go sleep some more so that I can wake up and play again. And that'll really do it for me tonight, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. And I will catch y'all on the flip side. Okay, we're in day four of End of Dragons. Recapping uh, my play session here in a few hours. Um, I've just punched into the Echo Vault Forest for the very first time. I landed in Arborstone at the end of the last session. Um, today, it's been mainly poking around Echo Vault, doing a little bit of story, a lot of exploration. Been thinking about it a lot. Um, some of these really, um, let's call them important locations on the map, are really dense and very cool and fun. Like the Jade Brotherhood headquarters, I really enjoyed. I did that earlier. And this area I'm coming up to, the Moria Village, seems to have a lot going on. Arborstone, of course. Um, but one thing I'm noticing is that there's a lot of... I'm getting a very, like, Heart of Thornsy vibe from some of the areas between these 
standout places where you have these really long sort of unremarkable low like i think low density is the best way to think about it places full of nothing but twisting paths and enemy mobs which is very it's very guild wars one-y which is not necessarily good or a bad thing it's a callback and it reminds me a lot of like tangled depths it reminds me a lot of like uh, maybe the desolation in places too where it's a lot of it is just kind of desolate you navigate you try not to die i don't know how, how i feel about it. it 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 feels a little less interesting to me than um than then uh, well, I, I take it back it, takes a, it feels a lot less interesting to me than saitung province which had a lot of really a lot of really well fleshed out areas and a high density of things and of course kainang which which is a, a city map and has a huge amount of stuff and it's remarkable in its density i've been commenting on how much of a standard those two maps have set compared to previous uh previous sort of uh, open world efforts from ArenaNet. And Equivald feels a little more spotty. It feels like there are real hot spots, and then in between the hot spots, there's a lot of very, like, um, less finished spaces. Uh, so I haven't explored all of Equivald. Maybe when I get through all of it and have a chance to maybe see the meta events uh, play out, I'll feel differently. Uh, looks like it goes through the old Ford Aspenwood, which is very exciting to me. Real Guild Wars 1 throwback. Um, I haven't done a lot of story yet in this area. Um, I did the cool spy stuff, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, no, nothing to really just say positive or negative about the story. It's, it's, it was already setting a very cool tome, very character-respecting and centric. It's still doing that. We're now learning about the Kestrels um, and their role here in the Echo Vault and how they kind of uh, were sheltered by Kunivang, who is uh, is now our, our, uh, our uh, you know, our supporter or, our, uh, you know, kind of on our side or whatever. Anyway, hopefully uh, I'll be back later tonight to play a little bit more, but I just wanted to take a minute to recap this session. Nothing is really, really jumping out at me about this other than really what I was describing before the the fact that the this feels a lot more like a in, in terms of density it feels a lot more like um like a solar system like where there's huge huge areas where there's not much going on and there's these small pockets of high density high high order and it's very en en entropic in between as opposed to like say like a planet or a continent where it's a lot of order a lot less open void uh Kind of spaces. I'm not sure if that metaphor makes a, makes a lot of sense, but I'm going to go with it for now. In any case, that'll do it. I'm going apartment hunting. Wish me luck. Good luck. Let's recap. Still in day four. Came back for a quick session. Play a little bit of the Echo Vault meta event and completed the story here, which finished with, um, the uh, conclusion of the character arc of one Anka. Probably one of the more interesting and roundly portrayed villains of the Guild Wars setting so far. I had a thought today about Anka 
And it was interesting. We learned that she was the the actual villain, not my trend. Um, when we confronted my trin in that Etherblade hideout, and in the fight we had with my trin, one of the things that she did was she sort of called on an illusion or a spirit of Scarlet, which is an interesting callback. Of course, Mitt, my trin's history was concomitant with with Scarlet, so it made sense, but. I think that there's also a sort of spiritual connection between Anka and Scarlet, and they're both they're both the same kind of character done differently. Now I didn't play through season one, so I don't have a connection with Scarlet. Not really. I didn't get to see I didn't really get to see her at her best or her worst. I know what I know is I've seen in recaps and what I've read and picked up is someone who started playing in season two. But um, the thing about Scarlet that never interested me was what her motivations were because basically she was just a super genius who was 15 steps ahead of everyone and had this incredible passion to just change the world. And the why was never clear never seemed to be clear. Why was she like this? What made her this way? And I think that's what made her not interesting as a character. Not the set pieces. Not her conclusions. But why should we care if Scarlet lives or dies? She's a bad person who did bad things. We play a game where we attack people who do bad things and kill them. That's okay. But it's not really the way people are, are they? People who do terrible things don't really do them to hit bullet points on a comic book portrayal of a villain. They're real people with interior lives who do things for reasons that make sense to them. And they have motivations that drive their behavior. I think with Anka, what we got to see is sort of a retread of the, of the burn the world down genius archetype. A sort of redo of the Scarlet story in a compressed form, for sure. And we got to understand Anka's motivations. She's started off she seemed to be a person who was sort of prone to negative emotion and to withdrawing onto herself. And then she... But she has an ambition and an ability. She went through something, some really terrible things and that brought her to a dark place and she gave up on the world. And not only that, she wanted to hurt the world. But she felt hurt by Now, I still feel like I would have liked to have known a little bit more about why Anka felt the, she needed to revenge herself upon the world. I do feel like I understand 
based on the mood she presents and what we know about her, like it fits. And maybe we don't need to know really what the reasons are, but the sense that I got from the Anka story is that there were reasons that she did have reasons that she lived through that made her want to made her want to hurt the world who hurt her. Scarlet, I don't know if that if there was enough there to be able to say that. And I think again it points back to what I've been saying earlier that the character stuff here is just much better. It's much rounder, it's much more real feeling. It's probably the best character-driven storytelling I've seen in an MMO. Probably. Not that I've played every MMO or have a wide experience there to draw from, but... And you saw how Gork was affected, and I... The way Gork was affected makes sense. So now Anka's dead, and my Trin is dead. The legacy of the Aetherblades is probably being put to bed here. And good for ArenaNet for not letting the Aetherblades die and sort of off screen. They showed us the end of my Trin and the end of my Trin's legacy, which truly is culminates with Anka. And who knows what what will happen now. I mean, we'll find out and probably tomorrow, actually. But I really appreciate I really appreciate Anka. And I felt her death. And I felt what Gorik felt when he looked at her and, and said to himself, I thought it would feel different. I thought this is what I wanted. Anyway, other notes about the session is <sighs> Echo Vault hasn't come around for me yet. As I've explored about 40% of it, so there's still a lot to see. But I feel like I feel like I have its number. I feel like I understand what it's doing. And I have to tell you, I don't feel drawn by it yet. It hasn't got me yet. Saitung Province won me over early, and it kept winning me all over all the way through. Hainang City, same thing, won me. This zone, there are so many spaces in it that don't feel like they were consciously designed by a human being for others to enjoy being in. And by enjoy, I don't mean like totter around and have a social club or tea. I mean, to have some interesting thing happening that you should care about. Some moment, some something unique, different. It feels windy and twisty and monochrome and 
feel flooded with enemies and why are they there i guess it's the wilds is the reason they're there but i don't think we got a good enough reasoning for why the wilds are so overrun by hostile people why are they there why is it so hostile For, a, for an expansion that's, that, that's done put so much work into telling a political story, it feels like we were back in the Maguma, where it's like big, a big, confusing place with a lot of punishing enemies. And what's interesting about it is the combat experience, but the combat experience isn't, was not interesting. Not really. What was going on with those enemies? It's just a bunch of enemies. Nothing special happening. There's no set-piece foes like all the incredibly well-engineered, unique Mordrum uh, NPCs with their unique moves and their break bars and their things that they do, their mechanics. Like, I haven't seen really any enemies like that in this game, in, in this expansion yet. That doesn't seem to be the thing that's good about it. At least not in the open world. So the Echo Vault open world is a real letdown to me so far. After what I experienced at Saitung Province and New Kainang. And I'm still willing to be won over by it. This is not a final judgment. This is just an end of stream impression. Harborstone, I didn't realize I had the mastery unlocked. I didn't realize that unlocking stuff here was connected to the mastery. So I'm excited to flush this place out. Yesterday, when I ended my stream, I talked about how knowing this place would be built out was such a cool feeling that I wanted to wrap myself up in it, and I still feel that way. But after having been out in the rest of Echo Vault, I feel a lot less interested in this whole play space and the wilds in there. It feels like it feels a lot of time like 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 I'm just in a cardboard maze. Only the color only the cardboard is the color of like weird green petrified wood. And what's the point of getting lost in it? What what experience am I supposed to be having other than confusion? And why should it be confusing? Like, why does the game want me to be confused here? What's the payoff? What's the payoff? And you have these little villages, a few really well fleshed out areas that do feel like they kind of come out of the wilds. I like that. But I don't think they're enough to pay off on the miles and miles of pointless, samey, homogenous, monochromatic, pointlessly punishing, pointlessly confusing, twist it twisted wilds. Here's hoping that I learn it and see the value in it. Because I'll tell you. I've compared it a few times to Tangled Depths, the third map of the Heart of Thorns expansion, but the Tangled Depths weren't confusing to me in terms of what I why I would want to master them. The Tangled Depths were full of incredibly unique, unique-looking, well-presented, different kinds of opportunities and challenges, and it was a rainbow of both of experiences and of and a visual palette. The, the, the confluence in the middle, all the various camps, the chalk hive areas. Yeah, there's a little bit of that sameness, but not throughout the entire map like Echo Vault. 
I don't know. I I get the sense that there was a sense with Equivald of it needs to be good enough. And maybe it was the last priority to get right. And maybe when you compare it to Saitung and Kainang and whatever's coming up last, this was the lowest priority and it was the best thing to leave a little bit more of a leave a little bit more underdesigned, underpopulated, under uh, cooked. But it, it bums me out. Because the Echo Vault Forest is just like such a, a flavorful place and these cathedrals with their stained glass are so beautiful and I don't want to feel bored by them. I don't want to feel bored by them. Okay. That's it for thoughts. I'm the whole day tomorrow off. Last day of my, uh, my week off from work. All these rooms. Oh, this is really cool. Poke around this some more next time. Anyway. I'll see y'all then. I hope you have a day, good, good day or night. And, uh, yeah. Take it easy. Hello, friends. It's current day Deeg back once again. What you're about to see is a bit of a time jump, or it's going to feel like one, uh, because I'm going to bring you to the moment where I completed End of Dragons and give you my immediate raw impressions of the entire experience, okay? And I'm going to be not talking very much about the fourth and final map of End of Dragons, the Jade Sea Dragon's End. Um, it contains uh, incredible story moments that are so important in resolving a 10-year timeline and conflict for this game and this community and this studio. And um, a, uh, a meta event that has caused a lot of drama and discussion in the community, which I want to talk about more in the future. And uh, in this incredible sense and vibe while you're there that there is a storm just visible over the horizon that could mean the end of the world. Um, it's just remarkable. But I'm not going to talk about that. No, I'm going to give you the big picture thoughts, and I want to prepare you for that because it might be a little jarring. So with that, let's turn it over to uh, Dragon's Watch. Okay, everyone's here. <laughs> well, friends, you're probably wondering why we asked you here today. So much has happened in the last few years. There hasn't been much to count on. But Jory and I realized that through all that, there's one thing that's always been true. Something to look forward to at the end of every long battle. A face like a candle when the whole world seemed dark. Jory, you've always believed in me. Even when I didn't believe in myself. This life we live has taken us everywhere. 
But as long as I wake up and see your face next to mine, I'm home. And that's why I'm asking you here, in front of all our friends, to marry me. Cass, a life without you is no life for me. You stood by me through everything. Pulled me back from the brink more times than I want to remember. So that's why I'm asking. Will you marry me? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I'm so happy. You two deserve this. So <laughs> much to do a better couple. It's about damn time. <laughs> Wait, didn't we all know that's why they asked us here? Which I thought eventually... it was obvious. Or, or did you both? Uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Congratulations. This calls for a toast. To Kaz and Jory. To, to Kaz, Kaz and Jory. Jory. To new beginnings with old friends. There may be no more need for Dragon's Watch. There will always be a guild. To Dragon's Watch. <laughs> to Dragon's Watch. To Dragon's Watch. Yeah. To Dragon's Watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's sappy. But have you been with them for 2,700 hours, Henry? Works for me. Works on me. Wow. Wow. Hi there. Officially done with it, right? That's it, man. Nice. Oh yeah, there you are. Divinity's reach, perfect. I was gonna say. Understandable. Wow, I'm so, I'm so. Let's see the color of your coin. Ah oh, man, it's a lot. I'm gonna have to sleep on it, but it felt so good to spend so much time with those characters after all the fighting was done. I don't know why it's taken 10 years for us to see the characters get this kind of love, but it's exactly what I feel like I've wanted all along. There Beautiful. was really solid um, dialogue, I found. Yes, the dialogue was so good. All the characters had complicated, interesting perspectives that made sense based on their experiences. It was just such good narrative writing fuck anyway i just love this work um i love how it it got very big but ended very small and the toast to dragon's watch with all the people there in their in their civilian clothes yep it's an incredible signal of it's an incredible sense of an end it's an incredible sense of an end i don't know what to make of it really in some sense one of the things that arena told us a year ago I guess a little less than a year ago, or like nine months ago. When they showed up and told us 
what, what was going on is the end of Dragon is not the end of Guild Wars 2. But this feels like the biggest end this game has ever had. And I mean, we've I had agree. we've had big ends. The end of season four. The game could have it could have been over then. And whatever that feeling was then, it is way stronger now. I mean, I think Path of Fire had set piece combat moments that were almost as good as this almost as good as this but it did not do any of this character stuff anywhere near as well the only character from path of fire that felt like it had this kind of character depth were was what's this face the uh the doomed the doomed offspring of calcator whose name i can't think of blast is it blast whist yes i just finished blast had this incredible story a short story, but an incredible one, full of pathos. And he ends up sacrificing himself to save us from Balthazar. I'm just processing this. I am so... <laughs> full of feelings. Oh my god, I don't even know what to do with them. I was not expecting that. Well, that void stuff just came out of nowhere. The personification, all that just felt weird. I mean, all the metaphysics shit has always been weird, Wist. Don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> I know a universe like this has to have metaphysics and it has to have rules. And it has to have rules that make sense and the learning of a new rule is one of the biggest things that can happen in a universe like this with void but i just i don't know maybe i've i learned long ago to not care about that shit. and i think arena is finally figuring that out too they're just like it's not actually the metaphysics that are important it's the character stuff that's important and maybe i'm completely biased maybe it's because i'm I don't know. I actually thought there were a couple characters I wanted to see more. You'll find everything but didn't here. After seeing them all at the So so, but they kinda of brought out new class and antagonist and just kind of wrote it off. Who cares, Wist? <laughs> like, really, why does that matter? Are they are they written off? I mean there's gonna be more guild wars in the future, right? And El Liberal Season 6 will be make break after End of Dragons? Uh, what? For make break for what? What do you mean make break? The only make break expansion this game has ever had was how his heart was was uh, Heart of Thorns. I think. Ever since then, it's just been how much how much money are we going to pump into this into this golden goose it's been how much are we going to feed this golden goose that's that's all it's been you used to care why would the the, the void enemies be the thing that you choose to not to, to to worry about i mean 
I mean, okay, I kind of get it. Like, if you've been nose into the dirt of all the details of this world for years and been part of the speculation and all the random clues and shit, the thing about plot arcs that take a long time to pay off at MMOs is they give you the sense that there's someone at the wheel who knows where all these things are going long term. When the truth is, in game developer, you only really know what you're doing like for the next year and a half. And after that, it's like, who knows? They tied up so many things, the other dragons, even the last instance in the bar. Yeah, they did tie up everything. It feels amazing. I mean, I, I don't know what comes next. I have no idea what comes next. It's a sense of freedom, though. It's like anything can come next. I kind of wondered when we were fighting through the um, the Ar Arborstone, um, and especially after the June's uh, leading up to the June estate instance, if June was going to become like the big antagonist for the next season. It feels bittersweet to you? Yeah. Well, it feels incredible to me because I lost my reason to care. I mean, ugh. the reasons that I cared about this game started fading to me the moment my wife stopped playing. And at that point, I put in my 2,000 hours. I was kind of deeply connected in with this world, and I wanted it to, I wanted it to manifest something truly amazing. And part of that was me learning how to be here without her, and part of that was, I mean, it was kind of a liberation when she stopped playing too, because I got to focus on doing a lot of raiding, I got to focus on hardcore stuff that she would never be into. I mean, I did that stuff when we, we played together, too, but it was very much in the sidelines. But then I learned, I did all that stuff, and I went hard, and I learned all the little lore details, and I, I learned that looking closer at this world didn't make it, didn't make it more alive. In fact, the thing that, that made it feel more alive is when I, is when I focus on myself. I don't know, it's a hard thing to explain. It's not, that, that's not really it. It's more like... The value of any game is based on how, how relevant the skills that you develop to win the game are, and how many other games, and how many other valuable games there are that the skills you learn can manifest in. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a story experience. It's not really that much skill going into it. But the thing about Guild Wars that I've always, I've never connected with this whole time, I've always found the metaphysics to be kind of fun. Like, their metaphysics of almost, almost any world can be interesting. It has been the characters that they should be so interesting and they're always so not. And they just kind of do things that are kind of archetypally correct to get the plot going where it needs to go. It didn't there weren't that many moments where I felt like the characters were along for the ride of the plot. I always felt like the characters were driving the plot. Right up till the end, when we got to the Jade Sea, and it was all about um, Orin and um, 
and Su Wan, and even even the whole Orin Su Wan thing made Orin a much better character, because she had a mother to connect with, a grandmother to connect with. She had someone to lose. You realize that up until now, the only thing that that, that Orin could have lost would be us, which she'll never lose because we're the player character, or herself. But she has something to lose. That totally changes the stakes for her. And now that she's passed through that experience, we can see the things that she will do through the lens of that loss. Or through the value of that connection before the loss. Like, there's just so many... You missed the Path of, the path of Exile launch in early Feb, so you just kind of didn't get that honeymoon launch experience. EOE? Are you talking about Path of Exile or do you mean Path of Fire? I'm confused. Anyway. Maybe that was just me showing up at a restaurant and finding my favorite dish Morning. being lovingly prepared. Maybe that's all that it was. But my expectations for this experience were that my only... Th and I put this out there when, when I talked to Inks and, and Preston in the Heavyweights podcast. Because all I want is for them to nail an ambiance for Kantha. Make it work. And they got so far past that. They meaningfully iterated on the way that they tell stories, both mechanically and narratively. Um, I feel more hooked into the world of Cantha post story than I ever felt with 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 uh the Crystal Desert. Even heart of even the the Maguma the Maguma Jungle with um with what's it called uh Heart of Thorns. Yes, that there were a whole bunch of meta events to go back and do, but I don't know. Like I don't. I never felt as welcomed by those spaces as the spaces in Kanta are. Never felt as as needed, as wanted, as as much as like m m the human things that I know about myself being reflected in the game. So many of the little little things that the characters said are actually pithy little little at little little aphorisms that we can carry into our lives and see in ourselves. You were going to use it to sort of hide you off till under dragons in late February, so you're a little more hooking because you weren't able to get one of as much. I, I don't know, man. I will tell you that I'm perhaps a little unique in that I haven't been a day. I haven't played Guild Wars 2 as a daily player since 2018. Almost four years ago. And since then, all I've done is log in and enjoy story releases for like a week or so move on to something else. All I've done is kept up. Treaded water. If we just show the gods, I've had moments where I've dabbled with coming back, but always that, that impulse faded very quickly because a part of it is because I didn't really know what I wanted to get out of it, and that's that's on me. Part of it is I just didn't feel as hooked in as this. You know, we'll see if, if I how long I actually stay engaged with this experience. 
I don't really feel like I want to let it go at all right now. I feel like I want to wrap myself up in it. There's still so much more to see, I think. Your soft spot for the original game kind of needs a lot of empty space in Guild Wars 2. It's really like a place where people live. It's a sort of issue to that, I guess. Interesting. I guess. I mean, I, I never... It doesn't feel like, like a, pl a place where people live. They're all like the houses and... Like, there's so many more, like, friendly NPCs that are just around and live there. I don't know, like, how how long has it been since you played Faction? Oh, it's probably down at the pub again. It's like Jade Punk. It seems like you're just listing out all of your, your detailed grievances, Wist. I'll be honest, like, I'm talking and gushing about the character stuff, and you're just listing a bunch of complaints. I feel you, dude. I do. But I'm not I'm not giving the expansion a pass. I'm not saying it couldn't have been better. I'm just giving you my impression of the the conclusion, the character stuff. And that, that stuff means a lot to me because I'll tell you what, like it's the reason that I had to stop watching all the new Star Trek series, despite the fact that I love Star Trek, because they suck at they suck at writing characters. Their characters suck. They don't act according to motivations that clearly stem from things the players experience. I mean, that the characters experience. Somehow, this expansion got things about character writing right in a way that a lot that uh, most genre fiction doesn't bother with. That's great. Let me know what happens next. Oh, don't worry, I will. That's what I'm remarking. And I think a lot of the mechanical stuff too. I'll learn to appreciate it more. I'm. I never expected it to feel like Guild Wars One can't though. I don't think I don't know if it's reasonable to expect that it should feel like Guild Wars One can't though. We have to remember that the games that are made are not just a product of the artistic visions of the people who work on them, but they're also uh, a product of the technology available at the time. Maybe Cantha felt like it did not because they wanted to make this claustrophobic thing with a bunch of empty looking houses, but because that's what the technology could do with the time. I don't know. I'm probably going to go back and play Guild Wars 1 Faction at some point this year. I don't know when that'll be, but I want to do it. I think good content for it. Faction's was developed in like less than a year, right? All the Guild Wars 1 expansions were done in a blistering pace. Nightfall yeah, came out six months after Factions. It's outrageous. <laughs> six months! That's how long they take on a living world release for Guild Wars 2. And I think it being a small zone and really dense is a byproduct of that, right? Must be. I guess. I, I don't know. It's just a funny comparison. But... I have... I unrelated stumbled into a puzzle in Echo Vault and it is fucking cool and I don't know how to do most of it. A puzzle what? A puzzle room? It's like a puzzle dungeon. Interesting. And to gain access to it, which is also a POI, you have to do achievement. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
one specific audio track. There's some murmuring that really brings the area alive too for some reason. Very yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Guild Wars One did a lot of really cool things with the time. I think that it evokes a thing that Guild Wars Two can't because Guild Wars One doesn't have a lot of voice acting clogging up the soundscape. It's very sparse. Like I've described this 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 vibe of it in the past. It's it's like entering like a quiet cathedral. And yes, there are enemies, but it's somehow more restrained. It feels more civilized, even so. Whereas this can feel very chaotic at times. Everything's in Equival pretty fun, yeah. Anyway, I, I would love to join you, Will, but actually, after I get done reminiscing, I'm going to have to call it a night, because... It is almost midnight. We have a, a dense day of apartment hunting scheduled for tomorrow. Yeah, I got to be up early. Yeah. Um, I will be back here doing your ever trust yeah no i'm tomorrow. i'm sure i'll be back in the evening just to play some more um unless we find the place of our dreams and need to make a bunch of land we'll see hey it could happen yeah yeah we have a few weeks to figure it out uh, so it's not trying to get attached to anything fishing is growing on you at the soundtrack but you really need those key binds to engage with more frequently yeah, n not being able to use a keybind to get out your fishing rod or your, uh, what's you call it, skiff is annoying. But, you know, like the way I played the game this week, I probably put in a solid 25, 30 hours. I don't know. I'll see what my, my playthrough is like at the end of, after I look at the stream playlist. Um, but, um, I won't play the game like this again. You know, I won't play Guild Wars 2 for... 30 hours in a week, probably until the next expansion comes out. If there ever is one. And there are major question marks in my head about what the future of Guild Wars 2 is with all of these characters we know and love. It could be that this is just a good a good chance for ReNet to reset and let us let us embrace a new cast of characters to take carry the story forward. I very clearly see Yao being part of that cast. I see Rama being part of that cast. I see June potentially. Um, I don't think we're going to get rid of Taimi no matter what we do. Um, but I could see us saying goodbye to like Logan. I could see us saying goodbye to maybe Ritlock, Kanak. I can see us saying goodbye to Marjorie and Kaz, especially after that. And it's interesting that we didn't we didn't see Zoja at all, isn't it? That was old in with the new. I think that that's what we're supposed to get from this quest. And I think if we ever hear Dragon's Watch referenced in the future, it's going to be as a thing of the past. Kind of like what... when Season 1 happened, and we were all talking about Destiny's Edge still. Dragon's Watch will be an era of Guild Wars 2. Um, really, the first era of Guild Wars 2, to be honest. Um, the live release era. Up until now. Yeah, I feel really invigorated by that ending. And the interesting thing about it is... I also feel like I could let go of the game at this point a little bit more peacefully than I could before. 
I don't know if I will. And I've, I've yeah. already let go of the game a few times in the past, in the last few years. But it was never with a sense of, like, peace. It was always with a sense of, okay, I guess I better stop trying, you know? Like, I guess I guess I better try give up. But this is, like, kind of like being given a big permission slip to say, if you've been following Guild Wars 2 since launch, and you're trying to move on, this could be your moment. And it's kind of beautiful to let old things die. It leaves room for new things to be born. The cycles reborn, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Who knows what Guild Wars 2 will be? And that's it. Yes, friends. Guild Wars 2, End of Dragons. I just want to leave you with a couple more notes of important things that have happened on the Guild Wars 2 timeline since these commentaries. One of the first things, one of the most important things, actually, to me, it might be the most important piece of news I've ever heard from ArenaNet, that a fourth expansion is currently in the works and is on the way. Last year, <laughs> this is so huge. Last year, I did an analysis piece. Uh, I think it's called like the keys to Guild Wars 2's resurgence, I think is what I called it. Um, where I talked about reasons to doubt an expansion for. You go back and watch it, and you'll hear a fan who feels resigned to being cynical about the thing he loves, which is where I was. I think it's where a lot of people in the Guild Wars 2 scene have been for years since the conclusion of Season 4 and the stumble into the Icebrood saga. Even the announcement of End of Dragons did not shock me out of the cynical mindset. Because I still wasn't convinced that there wasn't in some way a studio attempt to be done with this. To have End of Dragons be the end of it. They even said in their blog post in 2021 that End of Dragons was not the end. But what does that mean? An end to them might not be the same as an end to us. To me... A Guild Wars 2 that is sustained entirely by episodic content like Living World and has zero expansions, which they tried to sell us on in the Icebird Saga, to me, that is a sort of death. There's something that expansions can do that episodic content can never do. Ever. You can bring in big systems that span a ton of literal physical space in this world and uh, have a continuity of, of meaning and of story that is unmatched in the episodic world. Anyway, um, so for me, hearing that Expansion 4 is coming was an incredible, beautiful shock. And to me, is a sign that, really, if you enjoy Guild Wars 2, you can look forward to years more of it. And with what we saw from End of Dragons, I feel so good about what that means. How, how incredible. And shout out to ArenaNet for everything y'all have done, everything y'all have been through to get us here and to get us where we're going. I know, well, I don't know. Maybe I feel how hard it is. I know it's hard to serve this community, to build this world. 
I know. The other thing that's very important that's happening was also announced after the expansion is ArenaNet told us that the Steam release is not a meme. They really want to do it. Now, a Steam release is super important. And I might do a separate piece of content talking about it in more detail, but high level, a Steam release is almost, is almost an expansion level of hype for a community like this. Because it's going to bring in so many more people. This has been proven. Other MMOs have done this and seen a breath of life breathed in by Steam. And I'm really happy because actually, was it today? No, it was yesterday. Yesterday, the very first re-release of the Living World Season 1 content, Flame and Frost, hit Guild Wars 2. This is content that is essential in laying the foundation for the characters who are still with us at the end of End of Dragons. Bram, Rox, Marjorie, Casimir. They are introduced to us in Living World Season 1. All that content came into the game with the idea that um, people would be wanting to play this game in order to experience it and see the world move on. And the content's gone. You couldn't get to it. For years, Living World Season 1 was gone forever. And out of nowhere, after the expansion launch, Arena came to us and said, turns out forever is not as long as you think. And uh, all that old content that is essential for bridging the gap between the end of the personal story, where you confront Zaitan, and the beginning of Season 2, where we begin to explore the western part of Tyria out in the Maguma Wastes, is coming back. And it's going to, to create a critical content bridge between two parts of the game that are both good, but have been really awkward sitting next to each other for years and years and years. All these are great signs for the future of this game. Now, undoubtedly, ArenaNet is working on other things, as they should be. And undoubtedly, we'll start to hear murmurs of other projects at some point down the line. But Guild Wars 2 seems to be a golden goose, and uh, it looks like it's not laid its last golden egg. I'll be there. Look forward to seeing y'all there. Let me know what you think. And uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Later.